This episode of Laser Time is brought to you by Quip, the simple and elegant electric toothbrush. You listeners can go to tryquip.com slash laser time and save $5 on replacement brush heads. Welcome to Laser Time. If you can't tell, I'm a child in danger. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Chris Antista, one of your hosts. Welcome to Laser Time, the internet's 19th leading pop culture show. We have We've slid done a lot. 19th already. We've slid a lot since the move, baby. Shit. Sorry, uh, but but this one's going to be a really good episode because we talked about it in other capacities and in, in both another podcast mm-hmm. uh, and a video, and we'll talk about that a little more in a bit. Not just another podcast, my podcast. That's true. Mm. This is all true. Hello, um, uh, welcome to Laser Time. Each week we pick a topic and we rattle it off, do some research. Get what we think are some experts on the topic, but mm. it turned turns out this one most anybody over twenty five should be an extra, like an expert in. Mm-hmm. I can see if you're younger than twenty five, this will be a little confusing. That's sort of what we want to talk about. Yep, and it's revisiting the topic of kids in peril. I'm Chris Antista. Who else is with us? Uh, Michael Rapara is a video game apocalypse. Uh, grown man child Matthew Allen. Mm-hmm. I need an adult, Nathan Ortega. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, a long time ago on the Video Game Apocalypse, Michael brought up the idea of kids in peril four years ago, as uh, as Matt helpfully informed. And we, we liked it so much, we made we turned it into an unpopular video, but we mm-hmm. tried our best. Well, um, it was one of those things that it kept coming up on shows over the years. It's it's something. It's, well, it's a trope you always refer to. It's a trope that. All but disappeared in movies and then reemerged in games in yeah. force that you couldn't ignore. And was I think one of the most interesting things about mm-hmm. '80s movies, in mm-hmm. particular, that like that—that's when like the trope was at its strongest. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we may or may not talk about how it reemerged in games. So yeah, what when, when I pitched this to you, Chris, what mm-hmm. gave me the idea is I said you guys always refer to this. I don't think there's ever been a dedicated episode to this, and so not I'd love to do it. I'd love to do a deep dive, mm-hmm. and so it was. What we're gonna do right now um, is we're gonna explore why we think maybe this trope did peak in the 80s and and basically give you some great examples of the trope and kind of relive that that period and then go into reasons we think the trope kind of died down and what took its place yeah so when children we, in peril, putting children in mortal danger is something i don't granted i'm not going to movies that much anymore mm-hmm. but let's say for example to kick it off uh one of the last movies i remember seeing this in where i thought like this is cool and i haven't seen this in a while was the movie zathura which was the spiritual sequel to Jumanji. Oh, man. Uh, and Jumanji is, of course, based on a book about kids going into the jungle. And, the, mm-hmm. and so this new version of Jumanji that came out, Welcome to the Jungle, I'm not talking shit about it, but it it pulled its punches. It wouldn't put the kids in danger that they would in the first They're movie. They're teenagers, right? They they are av- the, their avatars are adults. Right. To put them in that right. situation yeah. of peril, they had to hire adults. Kevin Hart, The Rock, and who else? Uh, Jack Black and a woman. But aren't, aren't <laughs> they, I have not seen the movie. Aren't they adult avatars of teenagers? Then? They They're are. not even young they kids. They are, but, but they, they're almost graduated at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah but they, they still they still lacked the, the fucking bulls to, <laughs> to put children in mortal danger. They did. And I, I understand how this could be better for the box office. Robin Williams being involved in Jumanji was a big part of why it was successful. Mm-hmm. Why not make them all adults that you can sell a movie on, not un- unseen children? But like, I think that's a really good example of it they literally made a sequel to a movie and removed the children from it mm-hmm. is that because our tastes have changed is that because it's no longer something movies want to do right. i don't know well we're going to get there probably in the last segment okay. like reasons we think it's gone away but mm-hmm. let's start with what is this trope what is this trend mm-hmm. how did it start 
what, where we think it came from and why it got so big. So I'd like to start with, in movie making, there are a few unwritten rules. And I think I heard about this in countless DVD commentaries, but the two biggest unwritten rules out there, you don't, you don't do two things. What don't you kill in movies? The dog. Uh. The dog is one. Yeah. You, you don't kill kids or dogs. Oh, no. That's, oh, no, no, no. no. Or Sean, no, Sean Bean, you kill every movie he's yes. in, right? Yeah. No, Absolutely. but you don't kill kids and dogs. And the, there's actually a theory on tvtropes.org who I'd like to give a, a lot of oh, credit Sean to Bean. a lot of this you stuff. You don't kill Sean Bean. No, <laughs> no, 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 you, you do. Every Sean time. Every time. You don't kill Ian McKellen. Right. He never I dies. See. So I there's see. there's a thing that TV Tropes has called the sorting algorithm of mortality. <laughs> and basically, it's a sliding point scale where they show that the more innocent you are and the younger you are, mm-hmm. the higher chance of survival you have in a movie. So obviously, babies, infants are almost every movie they survive right dogs mm-hmm. are up there innocence right young children innocence they're up there that's why a great example of, of this in action is like the friday the 13th uh movie series mm-hmm. where you have teenagers who are sort of you know they're on the younger mm-hmm. side of the scale and usually they're pretty safe except when they choose to do drugs or have sex I, that's when jason I, starts going after in them. the summons words, the enforcer yes, of the right-wing yes, agenda yeah. that's right to <laughs> visit pain and and like i i actually took great comfort as a as a kid hearing that like apparently jason had never killed an actual child no Corey feldman is his character is one of the few mm-hmm. survivors of the friday they had to age him up in order to kill him uh, his character. They still haven't killed him. Tommy Jarvis is alive and well, as far as we know. No, I thought yeah. he died in like the seventh movie. Did he? No, he comes back if you die, and then you kill off Jason in the video game. Is no, that, you're, talking about the game. Ah, nah. you're talking about the <laughs> game, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's non-canonical. Like, it's still, it's still a th- it was a thing that wasn't allowed to happen. The audience was there to see Jason murder teenagers, but they have to have either touch the uh, Poontang or the hippie lettuce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we could, because in the mortal words of uh, Commander Jeff Sessions, I don't know when this is going up. I don't know what his position is going to be. <laughs> Good people don't smoke marijuana. So when when you do put one of these two things, kids or dogs, in peril, mm-hmm. you it can be played well for an extreme emotional response because audiences are not used to this, right? No, I, I just saw Shape of Water for the third time in a theater. You could see the audience kind of getting lost the second the creature takes advantage of a pet. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's like, can mm-hmm. you come back from that? Right. And right. They, there was a shock in the audience because everybody's rooting for this character. Uh, and, and the only things that come to mind, like, and I love talking about this because it wasn't part of my lifetime. I grew up in the shadow of its legacy is The Exorcist. Like, The Exorcist. Th- the kid survives, example. but, like, she is the target throughout the entire movie. And yes. I think that's what made it so jarring. It had its religious connotations, but the idea that the kid is the thing in danger the whole time, only because at the same theater they're doing, a, a like, a 20th anniversary 35-millimeter rescreening of the X-Files movie with the best subtitle, Fight the Future. And it's the only thing I've seen, and it's not R-rated. It opens with the death of a child, and it's it still makes that movie really jarring. That kid falls down, falls down the shaft, and gets his eyes taken so, over with the black goo, and that kid is fucking dead. So that is a great example. Yeah, what I was talking about things playing to kind of extremes and emotions. Mm-hmm. Horror movies have been doing this. The Exorcist is is probably the most um, extreme example of this happening, where a kid is just specifically targeted. There's a few movies that we're going to talk about today that are classified as horror that are also on the list, but things we're not going to talk about that that definitely count. Things like It, right? Mm-hmm. It is is Stephen King did this really well. His name might pop up later on this list, oh, yeah. but yeah, It is specifically about a clown demon, whatever you want to call it, that targets kids, right? And so horror movies clown have been playing demon, on this. Same thing. <laughs> uh, there, there's there's a movie that's a more obscure movie, but um, I think it's a laser time classic. Is The Gate? 
The uh, game, fucking yeah. rules, dude. The game is a movie about kids and teenagers who unintentionally open a gate to hell and have to through deal with metal? a demon spawn. Mm-hmm. Through, they were doing a light as a feather, stiff as a board type ceremony. Like it, they, they, it's they from an innocuous summoning. like party yeah, gag. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I bet so, you don't have the seller on your list. I do not. I do wow. not. But horror. Horror movies I didn't include specifically because they intentionally play on that trope, right? Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what the trope is. Let's talk about it a little bit. And then some other tropes that are associated with kids in peril, right? So what we are specifically talking about. I'm a kid about, in peril because I can't find the bottle open. And, and these are the things that came, came about and really peaked in the mid 80s all the way through the early 90s. These are movies in which they focus on kids as the pro- protagonists. Mm-hmm. And typically it's kids by themselves. The parents are either useless in the situation. Mm-hmm. They're either, they're nowhere to be seen a lot of the time. Or they don't believe them. Or they don't believe them. Mm-hmm. And typically it's kid heroes that are the only ones who can save the day. The Another thing is the kids usually are super capable or one one or two kids might even have sort of superpowers or something that gets them through and pulls them through um, a lot. And again, it's a lot of the time they're in groups. And so it's only by working together and sticking together as friends, we can get through this thing. And one of the movies that we're definitely going to spend a lot of time on is the perfect example of this. Um, a lot of these movies, kids act well above their age. They're usually super hyper mature. And a lot of the time or they have a nerdy friend, they will have nerdy friends mm-hmm. or they'll have adult friends or mythical, magical adult friends that are helping oh, them. That's through right. Situation. I forgot about the, the. It's in Stranger Things, which is a good example of one of the only resurrections of this. We're going to talk about yeah at the end of the show. Stranger Things is a great modern example, but you will notice you, you Stranger have, Things. You, but it, it, it the adult there is always the disrespected expert. Right. The one right. other adults don't believe is the one you align with. Yes, and typically the adults in these movies are usually nefarious. And are kind of the they're the establishment that the kids their motives are shifty. It's usually government organizations that Mm -hmm. the kid they're trying to get the kids. They're chasing after the kids for some reason. Um, Look at you, Peter Coyote. (laughs) So these movies, their origins they've been around for for years and years. Um, Things like Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Tom Sawyer, and Huck Finn. Even even To Kill a Mockingbird Mm -hmm. is a great example of kids in peril. A one classic series whose sequel would definitely count in this is. Mm. Can you think of it? She's it's a little girl from Kansas with a dog. Oh, Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz, yeah. whose follow-up, Return to Oz, right. absolutely Terrifying. counts on this. Oh, the one, that, oh, the think, one that begins with her being lobotomized? Yes, in a mental institution <laughs> I, I for lying just, to adults who don't believe her from the events of The Wizard of Oz. Just the marketing for that is embedded in so many 80s kids' minds. The yes. fucking wheelers, which are like yes. the jokers if they had wheels for hands and feet. <laughs> so I went back and I found the trailer, trailer to that movie, and it does go into detail the mental institution and how she's being committed. She's basically mm. on trial and being committed in that movie. And That's some uh, Alice Madness Returns level no, shit. No, if you're Absolutely. watching it as an adult, there's not really a clear line from when, like, is she still in the mental institution for the whole fucking movie? <laughs> so I don't want to digress too po- too much from my main point, mm. which is a lot of the other stuff I mentioned, like Wizard of Oz, like mm. Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, who grew up consuming that content? Our parents. The boomers. The boomers. Mm-hmm. The boomers. The boomers. The boomers are the re- and the largely boomers. largely the one boomer in in general is is really I think oh, yeah. responsible for this. Jack Thompson? No, and, he's, <laughs> and, he, and he helped make because one of the things I want to mention that's renowned the world over for everywhere except here is Tintin. Oh, and yeah. on paper you can't do Tintin in this country anymore. I don't no. think people would like it. Hmm. 
No. Uh, well, Tim Tin is a weird case where it's like he's a, he's a boy reporter yeah. for uh, Le Petit Vingtième, uh, which is a Belgian like cartoon supplement for a newspaper, <laughs> and uh, but he goes around the world, has adventures, and shoots people. Yes. So we, we're talking about With Tim Tin. That smokes. But we should mention. So who is <laughs> and it? Drinks. Who is it? That's the king of kids in peril. Senor Spielberg. That's right, Steven Spielberg, king, king of the king of the boomers. So much so that Spielberg is going to get his own segment of this show. So so we're going to dive into those movies right after this. Hey, these kids might be in peril, but your teeth don't have to be, people. I have made the last year or so all about upping my dental game, which has been tricky without any dental insurance. But one of the things I have done is switch to an electric toothbrush, and you should too, with Quip, the simple and elegant electric toothbrush. You listeners can head to tryquip.com slash laser time to save $5 on replacement brush heads. I love my electric toothbrush. It catches crap only flossing can get at. And every day feels like I'm fresh out of a dental cleaning. And unlike those electric toothbrushes you'll find in stores, Quip brush sets start at just $25. And brush subscriptions start at just $5, because again, that's one of the cool things about Quip. I typically never think about trips to the drugstore until I desperately need to, and now you don't have to at all. Because you can have Quip send you fresh replacement bristles when you need them as much as you'd like and at a much, much better price. Once again, listeners can go to tryquip.com slash lasertime and get a free $10 refill, which includes brush heads and Quip's own toothpaste. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show, 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1988. But when it comes to terror and violence, no killer has more notoriety than Charles Manson. Yeah, I, uh, I, I chopped up nine hogs, and I'm going to chop up some more of you mother... I'm going to kill you as many as I can. I'm going to pile you up to the sky. I figured about 50 million. If I could get about 50 million of you, I might be able to save my trees and my air and my water and my wildlife. Jesus, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm going to kill 50 million people on a mission of peace. Like, there's nothing to learn from you. And uh, technically, I'd like to say he did not actually kill anybody. Yeah, I know. He just ordered a bunch of deaths. So if you can say, I killed nine people. He's nah, a dangerous you, person. And you didn't. Kind of the perfect, You're the perfect, he's the perfect, person. how about this guy? Mm -hmm. He didn't kill anybody. Yeah. But if he you were, tried to. if you were pitching the idea of prisons, yeah, he would be in your presentation. You'd have <laughs> Charles Manson as in your PowerPoint. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. Because I want you guys to laugh. Look at this. Look at what happens. It looks so terrible. <laughs> the explosion of rain. Vertigo shot. Okay. Our game okay. of water football is ruined. Oh, man. So it coming in, me so much as a kid, and I can watch it over and over again. Coming in with a classic scene from Steven Spielberg from the movie. Uh, Jiggity Jizzle Snaws. Yeah, that's right. From the movie Jaws. Bitey so, Boy. So Bitey Boy. One of, Spielberg's, Boy. one of Spielberg's first movies, and I think he was really making a mark with this movie because he broke both the cardinal sins. So in earlier in that scene, a, a boy is, is calling and looking for his dog mm -hmm. who 
we are led to believe, and the dog, dog Pippet just is nowhere to be seen. So we're led to believe he either wandered off and is gone, or Jaws got him. And then later, he saw I, that a shark was coming uh, to to Amityville, so he killed himself. And, That's what happened to the dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, then later in the scene, the same scene, the same shark. Uh, assume we assume kills a young boy and we were kind of laughing because not only does he kill him there's an explosion of blood that erupts from the it's, water it's it's, yeah. it's army of darkness so <laughs> if you've ever been to the universal studios uh jaws ride Oof. the the old and stupid thing like it, Hello, it's I like, like jaws that, everyone i'm coming out at one mile <laughs> yeah. an hour. how y'all doing <laughs> it's like did that pick, guy like cameras ready they had the mannequin on the boat that like falls over mm-hmm. and then there's like just a fountain of blood that comes up that used it's to like that, that doesn't happen now huh did that used to happen uh, I mean, it they did. Have when fire I, I was like, it was last year in like '92. They, they did. They changed it. They did at the Universal Florida one because I remember my dad. His arm hairs were burned, but they claim <laughs> they they pump That's fake right. heat uh, onto those sequences oh. in addition to the fire. Now, this is the the Universal Studios Hollywood California, yes, which, one, is, which is like a stop. It's not on a, actually a ride. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a one stop on a on, bigger on the tour, and it's yeah. to me it was so lame. Mm-hmm. Just because I do that voice every time. Hello, everyone. I'm out here again. Yeah. I'm Jaws. All right. Goodbye, everyone. And it just reverses like. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've ever New seen the, like the South Park, uh, the the yes. creators did like that uh, holiday thing for mm-hmm. Universal, where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's old. Everyone and was there. Yeah. So, uh, but but the one in Florida was pretty amazing. Like mm, nine yeah. appearances of Jaws. He'd fuck up the boat. You'd shoot a grenade launcher at him. Yeah. So for the time, it looked really good. And this was one of Spielberg's first movies where he was really making a statement, I think, of, mm-hmm. hey, as a filmmaker, I'm going to I'm gonna do the unexpected and break the rules. So he kills both a dog and a kid in one of his first movies. He continued this trend in movies like Close Encounters of the Third he, Kind. With- he has since retracted his decisions there because you, you see a really callous man. Mm. In these films, like in, in Close Encounters of the First, for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the first thing kidnapped is a fucking really young child. Yeah, and well, and, and the scene is terrifying. It, it doesn't make for great audio on a podcast. It's beautiful, though. but it's but it's a mother who's trying to protect her son, and the kid is like a toddler, and so he's doing typical toddler stuff. He's inquisitive. He's like, "Hey, I want to open the door. Open who's the door? At the I want to go outside. Who wants a, to do this thing?" And the mother is a cascade of the light mother at my is front literally door. screaming. She there's a scene where the kid crawls out the doggy door, and the mother grabs his legs, and she's she's doing a tug of war with we assume aliens on the mm-hmm. other side. It is as a parent. It is one of the scariest scenes you can watch. Well, like a mother in front of her kid being taken away from her and she can't do I anything about that's, it. I think that's part of this whole conversation is that all these movies were made before Steven Spielberg was a parent. And once he became a parent, because he, he's from a, a, a child of divorce, so he was ma- he was trying mm. to paint realistic movies. But like that whole movie, our hero leaves his wife and three children, like just flat out, mm. like leaves the fucking earth. <laughs> forever if you've seen that documentary about him it's mm-hmm. like it's incredibly fucking sad that mm-hmm. like his dad became a martyr so that like that that he that Stephen and his siblings would have a good relationship with their mm-hmm. mother yes because his mother was cheating on the father with another man with like a their oh. best and the family's and, best friend or and the like father that. was just like I'll just leave and you can tell them I've I've left yeah and it explains his first couple of movies like to a T well, his, his it wasn't even opinion movies. on family you don't need family are you crazy it wasn't just movies he directed it was movies he produced so the oh, yeah. next movie on this list Poltergeist from 1982 oh yeah was his production company and um, I think we all remember the famous line in the trailer yeah I mean, we all grew up just that 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 line is is hack at this yeah. point. Come here. Yeah. So it yeah, Poltergeist is a great example of a movie where 
there's a scene where a kid has to wrestle a clown, his toy clown, oh. under his bed, which oh, I think yeah. both turned us all <laughs> against clowns growing up, turned made us all super fearful of toy dolls in rooms growing up, and for some reason, like, uh, trees without the mm. leaves on them hitting the window. So that scene... It scarred us in multiple ways, just in one scene alone. Also, that poor little girl, like that, she mm-hmm. was actually mm-hmm. killed by this series. Yep. 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 As was the older daughter. Oh, Jesus. Well, not by the series, but by a jealous boyfriend who got off because he was filled with male rage, and everyone understands that. You're not uh, a murderer. Yeah. I don't uh, care if you strangled her outside her house. Uh, you have a penis? Nah, you can stay out of One of the weirdest cases I've ever, like, been alive. Like, that happened in my lifetime? Mm. A guy got off because, like, yeah, she made him crazy. Well, the little girl <laughs> died of, like, the flu or something yeah. crazy like that. No, like, the, the, the production is allegedly cursed because uh, how many bad yes. things befell everyone involved in the, the series. The, the movie was built on an ancient Indian barrel ground. The uh, director, in air quotes, I'm is now drunk, dead. I'm a bit drunk, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but the, he allegedly, you know, ghost-directed this thing. He ghost-directed. Ah! Ah! That's not a joke. Ah! It was a real thing. No, that, that he couldn't make a movie at the same time he was making E.T. for Universal, so he had to hire someone else to make it, but was apparently on set every day calling shots and overruling mm. the director and that's mm. eh, a lot there's a lot never mind that's a different show so Spielberg went from Poltergeist in 82 to what I would say is is his first well I mean Jaws is a classic mm-hmm. but the, the first great example of Kids in Peril with 1982's E.T. E. in 1975 he directed Jaws in 1978 he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1981 he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the extraterrestrial. Sorry, that, that trailer is like, if you remember the ride, the ride recreates those opening moments very, very well. Yeah, and mm. it doesn't even use animatronics. The guys are mostly still, but it's just the light going through the it's trees. The flashlights and the pulling up of the uh, pre-OJ Bronco. <laughs> and, um, and and other than the step, other than the mother, the single mother in the film, you do not see an adult's face for the first hour and a half of that film. But when you do, it, this is one of the first movies to talk about... Um, the, the trope of nefarious adults or, mm. or adults coming after kids. Because as we know, there were some famous scenes where the government was chasing the kids trying to catch E.T. A movie, mm. by the way, this movie is about kids in peril. Not only are the kids themselves being chased by the government, E.T. is a kid who is in peril. Yeah. He's crash landed on yeah. a planet. He's is a kid he really? alien. Yeah. I thought he was like an alien button. Uh, he, he, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think he's hundreds of years old. He or is, something. but yeah. he's infantilized in the idea. True. He can yes. talk now. He can talk mm. now. So this like, is, and he's he's the perfect example of the magical friend. Mm-hmm. Right, so he's he's got his magical healing powers. At one point, he, he kind of heals yeah. Look at you, shape of water. Where'd yeah. you get that from? Huh? Um, <laughs> this this movie also contains. Well, well, speaking of that scene though, where the government's chasing them, you can tell Spielberg changed his mind because yep. for the 2002 re-release of this movie, oh, no. they cleaned it up. No, no. They took out the scenes of them holding handguns and replaced it with Nate walkie-talkies and flashlights. Flashlights, yes. right? So, so they he clean he he pulled a Lucas on his own movie. I still want to give him all the credit in the world for like he did it, and he's like, "I'm sorry. Here's the real version. I'll never yes, do that again to any movie I've ever made." And he has made in not not just because of this trope. Everything from the 80s has something problematic about it. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. single thing he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana Jones in the last or in the Temple of Doom. My oh, favorite Indiana it's Jones. It's funny you mentioned that movie. My personal favorite. Because he put a fucking kid in it to raise the stakes. 
article. Yep. Well, that, so that's the thing. Is Among all the other criticisms uh, you're going to give me beneath this article that I'm not defending. When, when, <laughs> um, but when you put a kid in, when you have government agents with mm-hmm. guns, it raises the stakes yep. and, and it makes things suspenseful. Like what's going to happen to them? When you remove those stakes, it took away from some of the suspense yeah. of the movie. And it looks really stupid that a bunch of people were holding two walkie-talkies with their hands out like there should right. have been a shotgun in there. Mm. It looked ridiculous. It so, was the 80s. The walkie-talkies were pretty big. They yes. were beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Zach Morris-esque. They were right. giant. So we'll get to Temple of Doom soon, but actually this movie contains one of my tropes that no one really talks about. It's the best. It's kids in the 80s insulting each other yep. in movies. Mm. That's what the, the sewer had. That, Talk, um, talking I never, like little tiny adults. Yeah, calling themselves assholes and fuck faces. Yeah. Like, they use bad words. Just and, like in this clip. Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis breath. Elliot! <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> I love that scene because one mom was that had the perfect reaction. Exactly, <laughs> Drew Barrymore is so f- my my favorite Drew Barrymore movie. Period. She's amazing as this little kid. She's hilarious. Gertie is hilarious the whole way out. And that mom's reaction was like, "That's funny, but I got to call. I got to I got to I got to put a yeah. yellow card up." Like you don't you can't see that do very that. often in movies <laughs> where <laughs> come on, where parents come on. actually honestly react like yeah. we all would if yeah. our kids is yeah. really funny but also inappropriate. I, I have an article in the Hopper someday. <laughs> Ten things in ET that are not allowed to exist anymore. Mm. And I think they took it out. The opening yeah. scene when like when uh, his brother's friends are all around, like there's smoke fucking everywhere. So speaking, there's teenagers smoking everywhere unattended. Speaking um, of that scene, that's another common trope of these movies: is that the ultimate evil may not be the government organizations chasing you, it's teenagers. And if mm. these were, these are movies made by boomers, so yeah. they're probably terrified of teenagers at this time. Dude, I'm ter- I was terrified of teenagers before I came one, and I'm an adult now, and I'm still terrified of teenagers. I'm at a mall. I'm assuming I'm being judged. <laughs> they don't like my shirt. They think my shoes are done. What are those? I get that all the time. They're Jungle Book vans. Can you please leave me alone? So in almost all <laughs> these movies, if teenagers aren't in the core group of the protagonist, mm. they are someone that they're they're usually part of a kind of a B plot. They're mm-hmm. going against the protagonist. Such Scott as, Farkas. Like this scene from E.T. Where's he from? Uranus. Get it? Your anus. He doesn't get it, Ty. That's get good. it? Your anus. He doesn't get it. This image. Yeah. You're such a sinner supremist. Zero charisma. Sinner supremist. Zero charisma. Sinner supremist. Shut up, Greg. Sinner supremist. Zero charisma. You what fucking world dude. is this? There's no I, hierarchy. How many kids do you know who actually knew what zero charisma yeah, meant? No, dude, I'm gonna totally use it in my day to day life from now on. I, I still that, don't, that cuts to the bone. I still don't know what Cine Supreme is supposed to be. <laughs> I have no idea. Also, I love those gigantic fucking radio headphones. Like he's really? directing Absolutely. airline traffic, yeah. or, or you can't do that on television. Yeah. <laughs> so ET culminates with the scene where the kids are being chased by the government, riding their bikes across the moon, and it's, it's, it's one it's, of the best sequences in any movie ever made and I've watched it three times in the last couple of years including once with a, like a hundred piece orchestra I cried my eyes out that sequence is so it's clearly professional BMX riders and they're running away from the police and the FBI and NASA and it's one of the coolest sequences I've ever seen in my whole life. But it's so good. What I really love about that movie is mm. it does capture how kids talk to each other yes. like, as we just saw. So Nothing uh, but hell shit. <laughs> It's the line so, of the movie. It's like the only curse word in the movie. Hell shit. Nothing but hell shit. So, so Spielberg went on from this movie. Uh, in 84, he did a couple movies. One, well, he, he helped produce Gremlins. Mm-hmm. And Gremlins, if you count teenagers, is another one of those movies with kids in peril. Right? Yes. Even though at no point do Phoebe Cates and Zach Garker Blarka look rem- <laughs> like remotely like teenage well, actors. 
Gizmo could be argued that's be true. kid coded. That's true. That's very true. That is true. <laughs> but his other 1984 movie was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Fucking love that movie. And this movie, while it is about Indy, an adult, it contains one key kid who we all meet this way. Wow! Holy smoke! Class landing! Short round. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Jones. Hold on to your potatoes. I oh Jesus Christ! You could say Jesus Christ, but like if you I can, if yes. you'd seen, I'm an adult. If as an adult, I cringe at a lot of things that happen. And I was watching Raiders the other night. It's has its moments too of hmm. just imperialist horseshit. And uh, but in, in its defense, as a little kid, I've seen Goonies. I love Data, and then he shows up again. Like he's Indiana Jones's partner. Someone yeah. my age is allowed to be Indiana Jones's partner. It he, maybe... he showed up first as Indy's partner. Yeah, sorry. So, but like, I didn't see it in that order. Right. Because yeah. if I think of it, I'll get not, to it neither, at the end. It does like seem like a step up to go from hanging out with a group of kids to then being the partner. You're the Indiana partner Jones. of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like, I know it's an offensive and it's a stereotype played to the fucking rafters. But when yeah. as a little kid, when you're looking at something to connect to in yeah. this movie, jerking off over fucking like pre-Nazi Germany, like that he was. He was my thing. He was the thing I latched onto. I love short. Well, I think to see somebody like you be yeah. the hero in movies. Well, he, yeah. and yes, yeah, speaking of him being the hero, mm-hmm. I mean, the movie culminates in him basically saving Indiana Jones from himself. Mm-hmm. Like, if you remember, there's a scene where Indy is kind of turned evil and yes. has been taken over, and Shorty comes up and stabs him in the, the side with a torch, yeah. which wakes him up, and then mm-hmm. Indy kind of gives him a wink, and we're like, "Oh, this is amazing. We all wanted to be short round." There's also a scene later in the movie where Indy is having a fist fight with a big heavy mm. in the mines as they're trying to free, speaking of kids in peril, an entire mine yes. full of children miners. And Shorty... Ch- hold on, let's not sugarcoat it. Children slaves. Children slaves. <laughs> and Shorty is having the same fist fight with the child ruler yep. of India mm. or, or wherever yeah. this is. I was going Pancock Palace. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So they're, that's, they're what both, I, that's what I call my bed. <laughs> <laughs> They're both I training bet. blows in real time. It's it's two fights going on. It's it's amazing. And it's what all of us, as we watch the first Indiana Jones, we all wanted to be like Indiana mm. Jones. And mm-hmm. so to see that move take place on the big screen with Shorty fighting this kid as Indy's fighting this big heavy, this was amazing. Yeah. And this was a great example, though, of kid, there were some real stakes here. He had to yeah. free the slaves from the mine. I mean, that kid was in every single heightened dangerous situation Indiana Jones was and for me it was to me it, it, it's kind of why it's my favorite I, it was the only one I was born when it was made well it's um, from an era of movies that treated kids like tiny adults as opposed I guess to talk so. down yeah. to them yes. I think that's why people yes. were so nostalgic for 80s movies because yeah. they didn't condescend to their audience yeah and I think that's why we're so excited for something like Stranger Things totally. which is like uh, let's let's allow kids to figure out this mystery mm-hmm. and survive on their own and they will and they they're did. smarter well, and more sophisticated yeah. than we give them credit it's, for it's one of yeah. those things where like I wonder if like you know, obviously, you're more attuned to things that put kids in peril when you're a kid. Yes. Uh, most of us, I think, went through that in the 80s. But, like, I wonder if, like, all that stuff has been sort of just relegated from, like, the province of, like, feature films to, like, now that's on the Disney Channel. And I if, would, you're a, if you're a teenager, you're watching that. I've looked at some of it, and I, I watch a lot of Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. And there is, like, Steven Universe is a good example of a kid put in, like, mortal danger almost every fucking sure. episode. Uh, but he always has the help he needs. And it's not, I think, part of what I'm talking about with these movies are kids kind of alone. Yeah. Like, um, if you want to talk about kids alone, mm-hmm. Henry Thomas, the star of E.T., yeah. went on to do The, the Quest. Quest. 
Yeah. Holy shit, that movie! Frog gigging for you. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt a bunyip, and it turns out to be a fucking steam shovel stuck in a swamp that still periodically. Uh, rises up, and I'm going to get stuck in this its is, jaws. This is a massive spoiler, but this haunted everyone in the 80s. Yeah. Like, we didn't know it, it wasn't available on DVD for like 30 years. I, I've never heard of this movie. What is it's, this movie? Yeah, you're blowing my mind right now. The, the yes, Quest sir. was like, it's, it's an Australian movie starring mm-hmm. Henry Thomas. The Star he, V-Team. He, he mm-hmm. like, here's a legend about a bunyip in a, in a, like a pond somewhere. Yeah, so and like a Loch Ness monster that lives in this, this quarry and like comes out every so often and he sees... If he goes down there alone, sees nothing but hints of it. And yeah, it goes of, with an air rifle. I remember yeah. that. Wow. And the end of the movie is like it coming out and like, oh, it was a steam shovel. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it shits on its premise, but it scares you. It, as a little kid Before watching it, it yeah. fucking scared yeah. you the whole time. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't see that actor again mm-hmm. until Legends of the Fall. Like, I recognized <laughs> oh, wow. his character and I went, what? wait, and what, then, what then are you doing? In, in like Gerald's game, which was like, he's just completely throwing away any legacy he had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... He's being a complete bastard in this movie. So and, so back to Spielberg in these movies. I think this last one I want to talk about, he it's the culmination and I would say this is the gold standard for kids in peril movies. This is when we talk about the rest of the movies on this list, we will constantly be referring back to this movie. And that is 1985's The Goonies. The Goonies. Ah, of course. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies. A Richard Donner film. Hey, Mike, go to the map. Whoa, do you guys realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy goony adventures. Meet Mikey. Uh, Sean Astin. <laughs> future <laughs> Samwise in the Lord well, of the Rings future trilogy. Future Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, yeah cast yeah. member in season Justice two. for Bob. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. So this movie, this is, well, at least me and my friends, this is every kid's dream. Which yes. every How many of us grew up playing, we're going we're gonna to find a, a treasure map. And we're going to go find buried treasure. It's a fucking mm-hmm. video game. Like yeah. the video game that's made out of it sucks. And but like it's, it's there are it's, three video games made yeah. out of it. You've probably played Goonies too. There was versus the Goonies that mm-hmm. was in arcades and mm-hmm. for Famicom only. And then there was the DataSoft like personal computer version, mm-hmm. yeah. which was kind of amazing. And, and the the chunk in uh, well, not chunk sloth in uh, Lego Dimensions. Yes, oh, that okay. did happen. And, and which I so used I to guess call, four. I used to call Lego Dimensions like the redemptive. Game for 80s games. Like, everything was... Everybody that got a terrible game got a pretty decent appearance in LEGO Dimensions. But Goonies, gold standard of kids in peril. But I, I want to ask you, Matt, as the one who has children, I could see... It's not necessarily... It's the gold standard, but it also might have gone too far. Um, maybe. Maybe. Because, like, like just I, because I grew up with the Goonies, I can understand an adult with children or a younger person being like, why would you do this to kids? There are three things in the world... In the 1980s, live-action things that scared the shit out of me. Two of them are Spielberg. One is getting, um, Shiva getting his dude getting his heart pulled out by a fucking Shonoff getting his head slammed into the barrel in slow motion in The Last Dragon. That scared you? That was amazing. It, it was a kid. It was a kid murdering somebody. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, in slow motion, like it's it, it terrified me. And wow, I don't think I ever and chunks realized that hand murdering him. by adults being shoved into the blender. Like I ran out of the room. Mm. I ran out of the mm. room. And so, I'll, well, I'll say like this movie holds up because. It holds up because no one else bothered to do this again. But I don't think you could do that again. You mean when you mean his hand in this scene? <laughs> hey kid, I want you to spill your guts. Tell us everything. 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 Okay, I'll talk. <laughs> in third grade, I cheated on my 
ever done. I mixed up all this fake puke at home. And then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, then I made a noise like this. <laughs> and then I dumped it over the side. I had all the people in the audience. Then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. Mom, they're gonna like this kid, Mom. Hit Pure! No! I'm too young! No, that like none of the comedy read for me. The violin. None of the comedy, like it didn't. Yeah. It didn't hit for me. It just yeah. maybe it's how I grew up, and I think. So I grew to up. To answer your question, I didn't know Chunk was Jewish. Also, I, yeah, like none to of answer that your read. question, I think there are certain things he does very specifically mm-hmm. so that it doesn't go too far. The kids, for adults, for kids, like the kids are at all times. They're accompanied by Bran, the teenage brother. Yeah, like Josh and Brolin. two of his teenage friends, right? Mm. And so he's the safeguard. Yes, they're kids. But Marvel's <laughs> Thanos. <laughs> yes, Marvel's Thanos. Deadpool's Cable. Yes, One-Eyed Willie's Eye is actually one of the uh, Infinity Gems. <laughs> no, but it's, it's more than like. Like and I don't know if everybody grew up like that. I have these very vague memories from when I was really young of like you know my friend my, my parents having their friends over and there's all these weird adults who all know my name and I don't know who the fuck they are, and in conjunction with that the ability to leave my house and go down the street to the park on my own or with my little friends and like hey Chris is an adult I'm like who the fuck are you dude I am terrified of you yeah the idea of some adult shoving my hand in a blender or asking me what I've been what I've been doing, like that, fucking terrified me. So I think this I don't movie, think your kids have grown up with like a, a healthy fear of adults. Well, because you've always been around. So them. we're going to talk about later why these movies don't exist okay. anymore. But absolutely, I think this movie did play on the stranger danger thing, which one of the tropes here is: yes, there's adults that can be dangerous. Another trope, though, is a lot of the time adults are buffoons in these movies, right? And so I think the, the Fratellis, Fratellis are, mm. they encompass that perfectly. The, the only one yeah. who's dangerous is the mom. The two yeah. brothers with Joey, <laughs> Joey Pants and the other Joey, brother. Yeah. I didn't know who Joey Pants was yet. <laughs> they are, just, they're buffoons. They're idiots. They have to be buffoons because otherwise it's like, you're the worst kind of human being. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And if you, we did mention this Spielberg movie around the same time is Empire of the Sun. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Which is like is Christian Bale's first movie. He's six or seven years old. He's in every fucking scene. He's taken advantage of by Ben Stiller and John Malkovich. Captured by the Japanese. Captured by the Chinese. Like it's fucking it's fucking crazy. And I can't think of a movie like that being made now. So so the Goonies itself, though, I want to oh, say it contains every nearly every trope we're going to talk about. So we have. A super capable kids mm-hmm. and sort of data, but he, he's more like comic relief. His his inventions go wrong, right? But these kids are able to figure out a thing that's been literally sitting in the museum in Astoria for years, and no one has seen this map until the kids find it, right? Mm-hmm. It it contains the useless adults trope. It mm-hmm. contains the oblivious adults trope because the parents is no one wondering where those kids are. The, the, you know um, they let they let Corey Feldman be their translator. It, yes, <laughs> that's one of the things that happens in this movie. It, mm. it features. It's all about kid heroes mm-hmm. who they in this movie they literally have to take matters into their own hands to save their houses. Their houses are being mm-hmm. bought by a development company. Their oh, parents yes. have given up. They don't know what they're doing. They're getting foreclosed on, or they're getting kicked out if they're renting. And the beautiful irony is that this movie saved all those houses. Yeah, you can absolutely. go visit all of them, and they, they hate you. There's signs to go away. So, <laughs> this movie it's plays like on the Amityville horror. Yeah, this movie plays on that we are stronger as a group. You know what? What's the famous saying that the Goonies all say? Good enough. 
up, man. No, they're good enough, but Goonies never say Goonies die. Goonies never say die. Uh, yes. mm-hmm. right down here, mm-hmm. it's our time. It's our up there. Their time. It's their time. So down what, here, our time. Was the neighborhood actually called Goondocks in the film, or was that just an invention of the video? Game? I think they. I think it was a combination of they were known as goon. They were. Oh, by the way, another trope. These are social outcasts. Mm-hmm. These right. Kids. Yeah. They were known as probably the goons in their school, and they were from the Boondocks, which is you know just out of town type of mm-hmm. like you know from being from far away. So I think it was a combination of those two elements, is my guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other the other trope that comes up is adults not believing kids when they try to mm-hmm. tell them something, such as in this scene. Hello, Sheriff. I'm a Don't Lighthouse Lounge, and I want to report. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just hold on here. Hey, you look. Sheriff, look. This time I'm telling you the truth. I'm locked inside of Vitelli's basement with this guy. <laughs> Rocky Road? <laughs> yeah, like the time you told me about the 50 Iranian terrorists who took over all the scissor steakhouses in the city. Mark, get back here. <laughs> Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Oh, Referencing the Gremlins, yep. So, yeah. So, uh, just for the, the listeners at home who can't see this, I'm going to show everybody a picture of Chunk now. He's yeah. a high-powered Hollywood lawyer. He's a lot of yeah. 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 So that scene, there's there's even Jeff new tropes. Cohen. There's new tropes identified that I forgot. So Sloth is the magical adult friend. And mm-hmm. magical in this case because he's super strong. He was played by John Matuzak. Am I saying that right? Who is yes. a 6'7 Who, who NFL wrote a, a, bi- an autobiography called Cruising with the Twos. <laughs> what? For Chris Matuzak. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He, he later, he died of a drug overdose. So I, I remember in, uh, in Nightmare on Elm Street, around this time we did an Elm Street Nightmare with my buddy Lizzie Cuevas, like, the adults are the ones who perpetrated this whole thing and are constantly in denial and not listening to their daughter. And it's it heightens the infuriation of the whole fucking oh, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Wes Craven said that was intentional because of how much he hated his generation of adults <laughs> and baby boomers. That all they wanted to do was like, let me just get drunk and leave me alone. And, uh, and he said that it was a specific choice to make adults not listen to their children. Mm. And I think, it, yeah, the era we grew up in was a little different. The hatred of adults was in marketing and commercials, like the distrust of adults. I don't see that. Now. I, I so feel I, like we could definitely see a resurgence of this kind of thing in media coming up as probably, millennials think so. start think, getting frustrated with the totally. previous generation that, shaming or, them constantly. Or what about the kids nowadays whose parents are always on their phone not paying attention right. to them? Because yeah. a lot of this stemmed from the baby boomers whose parents who'd come back from war, they kind of led hard lives they would just get back from work and pour a cocktail and they ain't interested in being parents right yeah Yeah. and they would do their thing for the night and kids were often left to their own devices Mm -hmm. which i think is where a lot of this stems from so yeah this the goonies though is the gold standard in that the kid there's literally a scene in the movie where they come upon the remains of chester copperpot who Mm -hmm. was an adult who had tried to track down the Mm -hmm. treasure they had Mm -hmm. and they call out we've made it further than this adult so this mm. this movie is the kids doing it on their own have made it further and they 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 go by beyond what the adults can do. And I think that's really, you know, the key to this is these movies are about yeah, kids are more capable than adults. Empowering young yeah. people yeah. to be able to go beyond their previous but, And look at look at the Parkland survivors like they're somehow managed to <laughs> Managing to sway fucking legislation yeah. in a way that I haven't been able to with yeah. any donation. Good for them. Their yeah. savage use of Twitter to totally. torch people who normally aren't getting torched <laughs> yes. for the very things yeah. they should be getting torched for. Like, it's pretty amazing. It's crazy. I, I'm sure yeah. that law will get overturned in Florida, but the fact is they made it happen by putting themselves yeah. in, out in, in front of things. And I think that's fucking crazy. So we're, we, we might even talk about one of the reasons these movies don't 
really happen anymore is things like Parkland, which, mm. which school shootings, right, are a big mm. contributor. Because you're right. At this time, we weren't used to watching our children die in front of our fucking faces. So, yeah. like, maybe... We don't want to be reminded of their mortality. Yeah, the novelty of, like, kids right. being in this much danger yeah. was a little more novel from Mark Twain and to 1985. And it's our fault, technically. It's totally our <laughs> yeah. fault. Yeah. yeah. Not my fault. I moved... Collectively. I'm, I mean, I'm back in Florida sure. now, so it is my fault. It's <laughs> definitely my fault now. It is your fault. Way yeah. to go, Chris. <laughs> but for now, for you. let's bring it back to the feel-good times of 1985, and let's yes, go out let's with do. Cindy Lauper's theme from the movie The Goonies, Good Enough. Hey there, lovely listener. You got a dog in your life that you want to spoil? Know that this episode is brought to you by BarkBox. And if you go to getbarkbox.com slash laser time, you can try a free month for yourself. What is BarkBox? Well, it's a service that's committed to making dogs happy through delivering four to six natural treats and super fun toys, usually curated around a surprise theme each month, to your door for your pup. BarkBox ships to the U.S. and Canada and, and starts for as low as $20. And just know that you can select not only your dog's size, if your dog has any special allergies, you can let them know. They will ensure that your dog gets what's good for him. And you can even send stuff back if it's not jiving with your dog. Either way, know that all BarkBox's chews, treats, vitamins, toys, all the items in a BarkBox are wheat, corn, and soy-free, so you should rest a little easier. Give yourself or your pup the joy of a million belly scratches and give BarkBox a shot. And again, you listeners can get one month free of BarkBox by going to getbarkbox.com slash laser time. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I wanted, since you since you talked about the, the female version of it, I wanted to do a, a brief reading of what I wrote after reading the book back in 2015, which is a parody of Ready Player One where everyone's obsessed with the absolute worst of 80s trash culture. Uh... <laughs> Wearing the standard Gunter uniform of a faded Coors t-shirt tucked into pleated jeans, I began my 97th viewing of Hot to Trot. <laughs> Suddenly, Artemis appeared in my mom's rec room simulation. Her fluorescent green scrunchie shone through her crimped hairstyle. I just played a perfect game of Double Dragon, I bragged, indicating the Tiger LCD game still clutched in my hands. <laughs> After beating Rude Dog's score in BC's Quest for Tires, I awoke on hardwood. I had to reenact the Heavenly Bodies aerobics contest. <laughs> Spuds McKenzie has long since taken over the Cadillac Cats. Heathcliff was powerless. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. robot romp from Alan Silvestri from Flight of the Navigator one of my favorite single kid in peril movies mm, yeah. uh, a kid who is this unwitting but useless key to a timeline he can't do shit no nope. this I, I went back and I researched this movie and the plot was way more complex than I remember it because it's, really it's, good. it's not just like a kid gets lost a kid gets lost disappears for it's only for eight, eight years, years but mm -hmm. they make you have to believe it's like 20 or 30 because his parents look no, a lot when older when, when you're a back. little kid 
Eight years eight is years forever. Eight years is a ton, man. Yeah, like, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's pubic hair that's and forever. baby teeth, and, like, it's it's crazy. Your parents have missed so much of your life, except <laughs> they haven't really, because you've missed more of their lives. Yeah, like, you just their parents are missing a couple finger paintings. Mm-hmm. But, but, but that, this movie does have a lot of the common tropes. So That's in a whole the, Marvel cartoon cycle, by the way. That's, like, six whole cartoon cycles for a Marvel show. So I feel like the government's not really so much have an ulterior motives, mm-hmm. but they sort of do, because they his brain, because mm-hmm. he gets he gets... Basically abducted by aliens for eight years, and and the aliens are researching humans, but then they throw in a bunch of. They realize we only use ten percent of our brains, and they throw a bunch. They of use his brain as a, a thumb drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the the ship crashes, and he has to go back and, and retrieve this kid who whose life has been fucked up irreparably, but from an alien's perspective, like I don't give a shit. Right. Eight years well, they who cares? Don't, yeah, they don't know. You're an animal. I put in a zoo. Yeah, so, who cares? so the government, yeah, and, and, and so that's what I love about it because it's not Harry Potter. They don't tell David. You're the one meant to save everything. You are the Keanu Reeves of this movie. Like, no, you're a useless dumb shit who I happen to do this mm-hmm. to. And now you're this unwitting key to this stuff. But it, it could have been anybody. And right. you have no powers when this is all done. You have a cool pet, a pup marin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but David, but, but the government is sort of out to get him, but not really. They really are just trying to figure things out. But he has a magical friend. But they're presented in menacingly. The alien or the robot on the Max. ship is Max, is mm-hmm. his his magical friend, who's <laughs> the guy that can help solve everything. Mm-hmm. Play voiced by? Paul, no, well, not, not in the credits. I'm trying to remember what they're credited as. Compliance. Uh, it's it's not Paul Rubens. Too many peanut M&Ms. Well, it's funny. When he has a serious <laughs> voice, Twinkies. he sounds like um, Judd... Uh, uh, the Nelson? guy from Beverly Hills Cop, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Reinhold. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, but but then when he goes Pee Wee, he goes full on Pee Wee, and that's yeah. why I didn't want to use his real name because Pee Wee's a character that might have been locked up sure. in the rights of somebody else. Their chemistry point. was great though. It was the awesome. kid and him, like it just I, that's the stuff I remember about the movie is they're back and forth more yeah. than yeah. anything else. But then of course the you know the end of the movie culminates with the only one who can solve the problem. It's him and his brother. His brother has to shoot up yeah. fireworks to signal like here's where we are. Don't right. Any shit, David. So the adults are typically again sort of useless. useless. Which uh, that that uh, whole plot device was stolen by The Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The man the and, and Galaxy Quest the later movie. on. Oh, okay. Galaxy Quest, he yeah. fires off the flares for the ship. And but, then Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, where it's like... That's right. Throw light, them flares. Light the, the flares on the roof of the White House, Ramirez. <laughs> and, and, uh, Do everything, Ramirez. The, the Flight of the Navigator light is Joe Dante's Explorers, which gets overlooked a lot. It's not as great as Flight of the Navigator, but it's gorgeous. It's, yeah, so it's another kids in space movie. It, it, to me, this was... It seemed like it was ripping um, the Goonies at the time, but and it's the same by year. Me with the same actors. It's 1985, so it's before Stand by Me, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, Ethan you Hawk, get to River see Phoenix, a really young Ethan Hawke, a really young um, Corey Feldman. Yeah, and, a, and, a and really we haven't young. mentioned Stand by Me, but Stand by Me to me we, falls. We will in this get there. So actually, The Explorers is a great example of yes, kids in peril, they're in space. Um, it's outcasts. They're mostly social outcasts. Mm-hmm. One he character specifically, who is a, again the super capable kid trope. You believe everything you see in the movies. Not everything. There's nobody out there. Here it is. Oh, great. I tied into my father's computer on the modem and filled in some details in your drawing. Mm. It's mostly guesswork. This is our circuit board, mm. which called for a terminal. So I used my computer, which is only a 128K, but... That should be enough to find out what it Pussy. <laughs> so what this kid is literally building a spaceship made out of an amusement park kind of like um 
an automobile, like the, mm-hmm. the things from the if haunted mansion. If you've ever eaten at the, sh- the restaurant Straw in San Francisco, it's what their booze <laughs> are made I, out I of. I love that he's not just wearing a lab coat, but a sweater vest <laughs> yeah. and a tie. Which is so a off type. tie! He's it's looking high. like he's cosplaying Burn Gorman for Pacific Rim or something. <laughs> yeah. This is off type for River Phoenix, who at the time was sort of like the young heartthrob, mm-hmm. or I guess this was right before he became the young heartthrob in Hollywood. Yeah, Yeah, because Stand By Me, if you watch it now, he emerges as like, you're a really good actor, dude. Holy shit. And you're you're not you, have, you don't have any pubic hair yet. You're really good. Mm. Yeah. So this movie did launch so many careers. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Stand by Me, and yeah, we mentioned River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Might as well let's let's talk about that right now. So Stand by Me followed the Explorers or Explorers. I'm sorry, is 85. Stand by Me is 1986. Mm-hmm. And Stand by Me, it's based on a novella called The Body by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stephen King is another guy who had no qualms about putting kids in danger. Oh right? no. Well, no. It, it, this is based on something he actually did. Um, so I think that, and that's that's part of it, and that's what I really want to talk about. The Found I, a body? Yeah, like yeah. I believe this yeah, is something the, that uh, actually happened. Yeah, the body friend. was, I want to say, pretty autobiographical. Yeah, that whole thing of like mm. the wrong kid died. That's from the Cox yeah. story, but he's the dad does say that, and that's because Stephen King's brother died, and his parents treated him like shit because mm-hmm. he was a writer and wanted to be a writer. It's very autobiographical, mm. and and that I'm on the verge of moving back to where that I, SUV should have lived instead of you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this one is about its kids. Again, kids have to go where adults have failed. The, the, the adults can't find this body. Well, I, I'm, of still, a kid. I'm still more fascinated. Like, I, I go back home now, and I'm, I'm going to go back home and be there as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, the place where I was allowed to roam free. Holy shit, a Ford Model T. What the, where the fuck did this come from? It's decaying in the woods. Uh, holy shit, a shanty with a weird refrigerator. It's clearly like rednecks would come and drink 20 years ago where we find all this stuff in the woods i go there and, porn there's porn out there but but beyond that like there there are not there's sh- porn in them are hills. I, I buried porn in the in those very woods ah you were part of that ritual yeah, yeah. good for you to contribute back to the community yeah, pay it forward pay it forward that's what i always say what, when it comes what to would you bury nowadays just a laptop maybe like, some yeah, of here's, my, here's your porn it's your my more expensive amiibos like no one gets these no one gets these but it's more that like i'm talking to you matt as a parent i can't imagine children walking around unaccompanied in undiscovered woods no that's 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 gone that's why that's probably my biggest reason why this genre can't exist anymore mm-hmm. um and actually there's there's and I'll why something up, like stranger things has to be set in the so 80s. has to be set, has in, the to be set in the 80s and stranger things again is intended for a more adult audience to remember mm-hmm. yes their, their childhood it's not intended but for kids remember when movies, you were 12 and could ride your bike home from <laughs> yeah. school yeah. Un, unsupervised well, i mean there's those you always see those terrible like facebook threads but it's like my dad my dad up. told me as a almost a 40-year-old, to not ride my bike on the same street I grew up riding my bike on. Hmm. It's not safe out there. Nothing has changed in 20 years. Yeah. But now it's not safe for his kid. Well, I, I grew and, up, and I think a lot of us grew up, and it's, it's again, a terrible thing you see on Facebook, and you're like, ugh. But I, w- for me, the time you had to be home was when the streetlights came on. Yeah. Hmm. I that remember my mom yelling out my name, anymore. and I'd be, maybe I'd be close enough to the woods to yeah. hear her, and I'd come... I feel like a kid from the 1940s whenever I think of this shit. In fact, let's pull up a clip. There is a, mm-hmm. So this is the, the exaggeration of what happens when what, what we talk about here. This, this is a, a mother um, who she got arrested for her seven-year-old kid walking to the local park by himself. And so, it's again, it's sensationalistic. Oh, yeah. And it's really the, the, the kind of, you know, extension of this gone awry. But nowadays we live in a place where... Something that probably all of us here at this table did every day growing up, which is walk somewhere by yourself. 
This mm-hmm, mother mm-hmm. got arrested for letting her kid walk only half a mile, which really Jesus isn't that Christ. far. And it was a route that he walked every day with his yeah. dad to and from school. So, um, yeah, I have that clip right here. I'm totally dumbfounded by this whole situation. It all began last Saturday afternoon. Nicole Ganey gave her son Dominic permission to walk from their house to Sportsman Park. I honestly didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I was letting them go play. It's a half mile from their Port St. Lucie home. 10, 15 minutes. Along the way, the seven-year-old passed this public pool. Someone there asked him where his mom was. They asked me a couple questions, and I got scared, so I ran, <laughs> ran off to the park, and then they called the cops. Dominic was playing when Port St. Lucie police pulled up. I fucking love this kid. All right, one thing I will say is when I was seven years old, like, we looked down on kids who said, called the tops. So, <laughs> <laughs> Look at but, this guy. Still doesn't have his baby teeth yet. So, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I think these this genre doesn't exist anymore, and I hate to say, I hate to put it this way, I can't think of another term for it, though. It's helicopter parenting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which really became a thing after the 80s it, you you had it kind of started with yeah. the whole baby on board trend with cars where you'd see those little signs of the cars it was, it was life instead of revolving around the parents started to revolve around the kids and it got to the point where kids they didn't have any free time they couldn't go outside mm-hmm. on their own um and I, I i feel like i'm an old crank when i talk about this and i feel like it's like oh yeah just let your kids go play like we used to the reality is How it is a different world that? yeah it is a different world and there are dangers out there and to be honest, you know, I'm not, though, one of those proponents of, hey, it's the wussification of America, because I think kids have to deal with a lot of stuff now that we had no idea mm-hmm. about and wouldn't. They have to deal with cyberbullying. They yeah, have to deal well, with so yeah. much other stuff that we the didn't have. The idea that someone, a kid under 10 has to know about pedophilia. Yeah, I was going to say that Shocking. I feel like the new version of this will probably be them dealing with this peril that we see in, like, 80s movies. Mm-hmm. but. In, on the internet and other yeah. other avenues yeah. of I mean, threats yeah. rather than it, which doesn't doesn't oh, make man, Cody's, a, Cody's after my Bitcoin. <laughs> Even in the eighties, we all had to deal with that stranger danger shit. Yeah, like, there were the like the the mail order things that you could order, like with uh, kids singing like. Uh, you know, someone grabs you, then scream, this isn't my daddy. Nah, we got to uh, close I remember, that one. I have I no idea what I remember one of those videos hosted by the Fawns himself, Henry Winkler. True. Oh, shit. Yeah, There's, but but no, you're right. that This... So the modern day equivalent is stuff that probably doesn't make for great movies, right? Because it's I don't you know. know. I, I think a Goonies remake where they're like, "It's our time," and this subreddit is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Like um, we were talking earlier about like Harry Potter does fall into this, yeah. But they're surrounded by adults and special abilities, and that's kind of the only way you can see kids going. And into they're it. ruthlessly British too. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> exactly. the thing is, which they have a whole other parenting if, relationship. Also, thing. Dumbledore seems explicitly aware of everything they're going through. I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna let this happen. I think they're. He's they're an good aging for gay. It. He's no, but, like, I've seen some shit. Yeah, yeah. You guys will be fine. <laughs> I survived. You're gonna be okay. It's a learning experience. <laughs> it gets Harry. better. Have an I mean, open mind, Harry. <laughs> so you guys are right, though. That so in order to pull off Harry Potter live action kids in peril you have to completely transport them to an alternate yeah. magical yeah. you can't universe. be in the real world you can't be in the, and granted a lot of the things on this list are kind of based it starts in the real world and then it go, takes a magical spin and like, right? like we said about Jumanji they couldn't right. make the movie they made in 1995 which mm-hmm. is a totally innocuous harmless movie that runs every day on cable but it couldn't be made today so one thing I'd be remiss if I didn't point out is the Explore or Explorers was directed, as you said, Michael, by Joe Dante. All right. Joe Dante has another that. entry on this list. I said that, but okay. Okay. It was, it was late in the 90s that there's an entry starring, I would say, a hero of uh, the Laser Time Network. Um, if you'll click on... Robert Loja? No. <laughs> That's be Robert a Hi. 
I'm Phil Fimple. <laughs> I'm here to negotiate the surrender of the uh, Gorgonzolas. Now, here's our proposal. Hey. Take them. He's telling us down the river. The guy's a regular rival Benedict. I mean, switch them off, take them apart, steal their batteries, whatever it is you people do. Hey. Is that my JVC? <laughs> Seven Gorgonites and nine people. Well, you've heard our proposal. Get in here, hurry! These negotiations are over! So, so this that, is a weird ass movie. 1998 guys. Small yeah. Soldiers. Can I point out they had all the, of the people in that movie? We had David Cross in the background. Jay Moore, Phil Jay Hartman. Jay Moore, Phil Hartman, who who is the person starring in this? That's who mm. I was referring to. Phil Hartman. The Laser Spinal Tap reunited as the voices. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is the voice. Yeah. It had. It, um, and then what's funny is the dad in this movie is the dad from the first Transformers film. So he has a way of being kind of the useless <laughs> really? dad as the kids are dealing Small. with things. Yeah. A but, movie I wanted to love, and I, I just only recently found out that it, Joe Dante wanted to shoot it Gremlin style, and that didn't work out. So you see the Tommy Lee Jones character is clearly a puppet, but mm. when they show them walking, mm. like, we're not going to take the risk here. This is CG. So you get, yeah. you get, in my opinion, unsatisfactory practical effects and unsatisfactory CG, and mm. the movie doesn't hold up very well. Mm. Um, but yeah. Uh, why did we bring it up? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, we were talking. Well, we were talking about Joe Dante. I need the bottle. And and, and it, it's to me the latest example of this genre. Um, but one of the things it was is fifteen years ago. <laughs> Well, right, it was 1998. So, which strangely is a, seems like a very 80s movie. Watching this, like this looks like fucking Puppet Master. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. one or of the tropes, toys. one yeah. of the tropes I kept bringing up, and we mentioned Harry Potter and the magical worlds. And there mm. is a movie that is one of the best examples of Kids in Peril that is all about tying in with a magical world. Mm. And if you want, I can give you more hints. Or do you, do you want to take lovely a guess bones? What this is? No, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, the lead character's name is Sarah. Or, or as the, they would say, Land the Before Time. Sarah. Sarah. Hmm. Sarah. Oh, Labyrinth. The Labyrinth. The Babe with the Power. Oh, Labyrinth. Power. Uh, which is the Power oh, of Voodoo. 1986 Labyrinth, which tells the story of a young girl who is so fed up with her stepbrother, I think it is, or her half-brother, mm -hmm. that she wishes him away. Yep. And the Goblin King hears her. And in a scene that terrified me as a young kid growing up, the goblins come and steal the little baby from its crib and take it back to the fantasy world. I wish the goblins would take you away right now. Me right too. Now. Yeah. <laughs> me too. And I it's would, very Ghibli-esque in hindsight. It, it's it a is. total a Ghibli of, movie. Well, and, but, it, and, but it had some of the pythons involved, and involved too. Terry like, Jones wrote it. Terry Jones and uh, Brian Frude, I think, mm -hmm. who also did, like, with Terry Jones, a book about the goblins mm -hmm. living in the lab. But, but in the movie... Sarah befriends uh, Hoggle, who's sort oh, of the magical oh. adult that helps her along her right. journey. But she, her, the antagonist of the film, is the adult played by David Sarah. Bowie, mm -hmm. yes. which of who course is awoken why... the sexuality in many men and women. <laughs> Absolutely, as the Goblin King. Chest. It's never explained why he is completely handsome as the <laughs> Goblin King, and the goblins are, are ridiculous. But the reason he's a powerful magician, yeah, he's cast, true. cast glamour zone. Mm -hmm. But if he wasn't in the movie, we wouldn't have wonderful songs such as. Dun, dun, dun. It's a babe. A babe with the power. 
Fun fact, there's a manga of Labyrinth that's all about the baby that grows up to be really? older and hot. Like an official <laughs> crazy. What? Official manga. Yeah, no Tokyo shit. Pop put it out. It's really How weird. How long ago? Um, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Okay, because this yeah. is official, like... The Hinton Company has sold off the Muppets, and they retain right. the rights to this. So, like yeah. this year, it's going to be the—it's the prequel comic for Jareth. We're going to figure out the origins of David Bowie's mm-hmm. character. They're mm-hmm. going to re-release the movie with some deleted scenes and new introductions on Fathom events that might have already happened, but then it's posted. Uh, but I love Labyrinth, are and they, it's worth discovering. Are they ever going to explain why the Huggle Puppet is in such terrible shape? Oh shit! Because didn't it get lost in in an airport? Uh, yeah, yeah, and was rediscovered recently, and was like partially rotted away. If you open it up, if the person who opened it up probably died, because the the yeah. smell that comes off of that material it's when an it arc of the covenant effect yes. that yes, was melted. That was peak puppetry, though. That was probably mm-hmm. the best puppet I've ever seen in film. Yep. Like the fact that it's not better than the Ninja Turtles, though. Uh, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, you don't you, yeah. Don't, you don't see the actor's mouth. Because well, he's true. meant to look, look, he's meant to look quasi-human, even though he's not human. He's, he's uh, and he is the best Muppet ever introduced while taking a piss. That's true. He's totally taking it. Undoubtedly, yes. <laughs> Undoubtedly, yes. And, and, and fuck you, Bean Bunny. I don't care if that was your appearance, taking a giant whiz. Uh, that's something a Muppet fan might, might care about, that joke. I get but, it. But you're just slowly it. judging me. I, 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 <laughs> slowly. I'm just, slowly. Very Silently, <laughs> sorry. Silently, I, I understand. I understand. But, but, but let's... I will never say the 80s was an ideal time to grow up or... The entertainment is not ideal it either. It was a brutal time, but I think the art reflects that in a lot of ways. Is, is that what it is? That like, it kind of um, was. You, like, I grew up not unlike millennials with a certain feeling of hopelessness and a distrust of adults. Mm. And a lot of uh, movies from the 80s and early 90s truly reflect that. I have not seen anything like that. And I do make it a point to watch certain kids' movies. I've tried to get through holes in the last Mimsy, and like mm. they're not the same. The no. kids aren't in the same kind of danger. The only thing I saw recently was it was a movie for adults. It was called Kings of Summer, and it was about uh, teenagers who decided to run away into the woods for a summer, and you get to watch their parents like revolt in horror. Where are my children? Mm. And, like, fuck you, man. We're having the time of our lives out here. Rope swing, rope swinging every day in our clubhouse. Yeah. It's awesome. No, I, I should say there's a lot of movies we weren't able to get to that are no, great sure. examples. So, Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah. Is a great oh, one. shit. Yeah. And by the way, features Vincent D'Onofrio as, as Thor. Thor, <laughs> Thor, who I would say he, he fights on a team. What's that team called again? Uh, the A. a uh, ooh, the Universal Monsters? Who were the original version uh, of those Avengers? Uh, the Avengers. So, I would be remiss if we didn't at least include this one entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. The Universal Monsters mm-hmm. star in a little movie. Oh, Monster Squad! Monster by the way. Squad! Yay! Oh, yes. That's, that, I was. Yield to we were, kids in peril movie. So this is written by Shane Black, who mm-hmm. also um, wrote Last Action Hero, which is sort of a kid in peril, but he has Arnold along with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And he's in a fake universe too. Which but more is, importantly, yes. leave the weapon and kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I think tonight. Last Action Hero is an underrated, I love it. classic of like surrealist and postmodern yeah. cinema. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So I think you know, but the last one I want to make sure we mention after Monster Squad, which is about kid detectives researching monsters. Yeah. I think this is, it's a nice bookend to the kid in peril thing. So we, mm-hmm. we, said, we had the Goonies as the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say, this one sort of wraps it up. It's Home Alone. Yeah. Home Alone is the perfect it kid might be in the peril bookend. movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's sort of the end of that. We, we, we had Small really Soldiers in 98, but it was I, the last no, really I, I watched one. this in the theater, and I'm like, why is his mom freaking out? I've seen a ton of kids mm. survive on their own for long yeah. lengths of time. Yeah. And now, I now it, it feels more modern than any movie I grew features, up watching in the eighties. It features all the tropes we've talked about as well: mm-hmm. oblivious yeah. parents, 
sort of useless parents. It takes them the entire movie to get back, and I love that she spends that entire time getting back, and the dad pulls up like ten minutes behind her for taking one flight. Where there she there had... is a viewing you can from a perspective you can have on Home Alone, where the dad is monstrous. There is no point where the dad freaks out yeah. or tries to do anything. Mm, he's grossly yeah. negligent, yeah. and he's just like, but he's always cool. Like, ah, yeah, we'll see him tomorrow. There's nothing else we can do. Yeah. Hey, we made it. Yeah, it's a well, good I mean, the McAllisters have like a Save million home, kids. Who cares? Yeah. What's one going? Well, to be fair, he's probably heavily drugged up because he paid for flights for that entire family to yeah. Europe. What did he do? Plus, like, his what did he do for a living? In that oh, house? God. I'm thinking no, if it's the 90s, sports marketing. Uh, <laughs> sports but yeah, I mean, marketing. in that movie, Kevin, he acts older than his years. He's super capable. He, you know, he, he likes fights vintage off. cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you I wanted to animal. say, <laughs> one thing about Monster Squad, mm. you realize it was a reboot of a 70s TV series. Sort of. Sort of. And no. then it was like about monsters in a wax museum who would come to who life at night crimes. and solve crimes. <laughs> yes, in a van. Yeah, we played a clip of it. This on is the-, the most 70s thing ever. It is. It is. Yeah. And it's called The Monster Squad. So yes. please don't get it confused because if uh, Van Helsing isn't giving you a thumbs up at the end of the film, which mm. is the silliest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, yeah. F- going through a vortex. And Frankenstein. <laughs> and Frankenstein. Yeah, I made him into a tragic character. Which apparently that's the, like it, it's controversial now. Apparently, is it? oh yeah, did, oh, like, yeah. you didn't see the whole thing you, about you like you can't see the Frankenstein monster as a victim anymore because that makes right wing snowflakes angry. What? What? That's the whole. We live in a bonkers. I read world. the book. Wait, that's I know. The whole I know. Well, right? The, the people we're talking about have not. Clearly, <sighs> end of story. Back oh to Home God. Alone, though. You were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So <laughs> Home Alone is the perfect bookend, and and we were talking about. Some, so we've already kind of delved into reasons we think these movies don't exist anymore. So I think one of the biggest. You mentioned it earlier. Video games, mm-hmm. uh, video games, and animation. Man, animation got to the point where it was mm. so it was less expensive to, to produce than live action in, in many regards. Where a lot of the time, because of you know the helicopter parenting and other things we mentioned, where you just school shootings, things where you don't want to be reminded mm-hmm. of kids in peril, you've had to put them in fantasy totally. settings, and you can do that in animation. You have Nemo, you can, Coco, and, and kids, Coco. and Coco. Yeah, great example. And kids themselves. They can live the power fantasy by playing video games. Every single live-action Disney movie that they ever made involves an orphan on their own, mm-hmm. striking it off with some kind of adult or an imaginary figure, and that doesn't happen anymore. So you're you saying no more Journeys of Nettie Gan. No more. <laughs> so you're saying that animation provides a buffer for parents to feel yes. a little less anxious yes. about it. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. it's okay right. to see a, a deer who's orphaned, whose mom right. was shot in front of your face, and show that to your child now. Right. Even though I think. Even Bambi might be pushing it. That's a little mm. I, like it's pretty I would, dark by today's. Yeah, yes. I don't think yes. I like. I would yes. not force that on Matt's kids, even though I e- can't even wait to Lion, force. Lion King having Mufasa mm. die and they just linger yeah. on that scene where he's just like, "Dad, right. are you dead?" Like I feel like they wouldn't do that now in a lot of cases. I, I feel think, like that's but, just a punch that. They I mean, would pull we say now. that, but look at some of the Pixar movies. Yeah, the things Pixar like, movies? like Inside Out. Right there's they get into some dark territory. The last but Disney, animation, I think you nailed it. Animation the, is a great. Buffer. The last Disney hand-drawn movie princess and the frog kills a major character in front of your face it's great and it's really good and it's the kind of thing it's jarring it's it was jarring in 2009 i don't mean to spoil the movie uh but yeah i just i I don't see a lot of that but you're right they do hide a lot of orphans in animation yeah the other reason i think we don't see them anymore is it's not as effective because a lot of the stuff that used to be taboo Mm -hmm. started just everyone started doing it, right? And so there were movies, movies like Battle Royale, uh, mm-hmm. movies like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, where or Red Dawn even things like mm-hmm. it became more and more commonplace for kids to be dying in movies where it's it, it loses that impact, right? Mm-hmm. And so it normalizes it. It normalizes it, but yeah. So if there's if there's never any, oh my goodness, I have a heightened emotional thing because I'm scared something's going to happen to them. 
it's less effective. And and to be honest, working with kid actors is a pain in the ass, right? No, I, I think there's a logistical side of this we're not seeing that like there's not a lot of kids with star power. You want you want you would rather have The Rock and Kevin Hart in your kids movie, which right. just fucking happened. And and probably by the way, a lot of progress made with how you have to deal with kid actors mm-hmm. that. I hate to say it, probably wasn't the case in the 80s no. and 70s where right. like they could sort of exploit oh, your life these would be kids? destroyed. Do you, mean, yeah. do you mean the kids who are all fucking dead from every kid? I didn't movie? want to talk about you. Or know a happened? disaster person. You know what happened to the Flight of the Navigator yeah. kid? Uh, no, he, he don't quit the tell profession. Me. He's been arrested for, I think, child molestation? No, no, no. no. Well, he was uh, drug trafficking and he got arrested. He admitted, pled guilty to robbing a bank. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so yeah, these, the these kid movies from a Bronx Tale yeah. murdered a cop. Messed up a lot of the kids. Uh, Brad well, like, Renfro dead. Uh, Jonathan Brandis suicide. This is this is from yeah. our. I, I remember like uh, who was the girl from Savannah Smiles? Fucking dead. Like you know whatever we said about Orson Scott Card. I'm actually a fan of the Ender's books, and he like had a, an afterward in one of his books talking mm-hmm. about like the difficulty of turning this into like a, a movie or a TV series. And it's like it's it's really hard. And he wrote this in like the 90s. It's mm-hmm. really hard to find like decent child actors who are able to, to convey this sort of material. And it's yeah, like, who can we talk And not get put through the meat grinder of yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like uh, Harry Potter was sort of the point where it was clear that at least the, how, the industry figured yeah. out how to not destroy how children in the process. the fuck did all those kids come out well-adjusted? Yeah, you don't hear shit about the Harry Potter cast mm-hmm. getting arrested and getting. I mean, mm-hmm. I think their parents and their agents second. learned a lot about I what happened. Learned a lot. Like, like yeah. the worst thing any of them did was like uh, Daniel Radcliffe drank a lot, and he he he's appeared great, nude though. in yeah. Equus, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh, what's her face Hermione was in uh, This Is the End. That's she was hilarious in that. Thing. Yeah, oh, she was great. great. I think they just w- had structure and were able to kind of have a life outside of movies. Yeah. But, re- but really, every movie I liked, yeah. almost everybody who's not Sean it harmed Ashton, a lot of those kids. Yeah, harmed them forever. Well, I, th- no... I think we're aware of it more as a society, and so they try yeah. to avoid that, right? Yeah. But I am, I, do, I am I hopeful that this genre is sort of making a comeback. So it was one of the biggest movies amazing. of last year. I really right? loved These kids it. Were really talented. Yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But Finn but, Wolfhard, fresh off of uh, Stranger Things, <laughs> being a right. dirty little boy in that and movie. actually, what oh they God. said is playing the the Seth Green role <laughs> from the original. They said movie. one of the reasons his character was so different in season two was he he'd gotten so used to filming it that he <laughs> yeah. kind of was behaving differently on the set. Yeah. And so they kind of well, if you watch tapered back, if you watch it all. swearing now. Fuck shit. If you watch it all in order, you can see. You can see them give his part to Lucas in mm-hmm. Stranger Things. Like yeah. everything he was, his character was supposed to do was given to another character. Lucas oh. was was a great breakout. Who sucked too. in season one? Yeah, well, he just didn't he have was a lot the to worst. Do. Yeah. Why do we not do any of this, guys? Like <laughs> Jesus, you shouldn't be on an adventure. Yeah, but Stranger Things, in many ways, it's it's also kind of a perfect. Well, so if Home Alone is a perfect bookend, mm-hmm. this is the perfect epilogue, right? Mm-hmm. So this oh. is this genre. I think it has a place in the world. And I think right now that, that that series is intended for more people our age. Probably. And what I'm hoping is they, but, but they take the lessons. But people who are not our age are, are jumping on board because of the authenticity. What right. I think works so well about that show, because I've had all this conversation mm-hmm. with people, uh, I am not very nostalgic for the 80s. Yeah, I, neither. A lot of the, the references and the little pulls that the, that the show has, I don't really feel a lot for. Mm. But I feel like what the show does great is establish these characters as sophisticated, relatable, intelligent, care, like kid characters, and the adults are 
read as young people who got old instead of being yeah, written okay. as old people. Yes. Yes. And so I love yes. Hopper and Joyce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they're all on the same intellectual You're level right. in a lot of ways. And yeah. they all treat each other with respect that a lot of times you don't see in this genre. You're like often. 16th in, in importance in my mind, but I'm still shipping them constantly. I want them mm. to... You're right. They're adorable. It's a great yeah. evolution of, of the genre because the adults are not useless. Mm-hmm. They feel like young series, people right. who have yeah. history and just got yeah. older, but they never necessarily fundamentally changed into the characters that right. you see in these movies who are... Uh, antagonist to the protagonist, but it's not that Spielberg esque, right? And it's it's simple. If you watch ET, the camera is usually at a kid's head. The mother is never shot in any other angle other than sitting down or up, mm. uh, and all the other adults are shot from the waist. Yeah, uh, because you don't. You're, it's, you're, the camera is always fixed at a kid's perspective, and we learn to hate adults like that. I, I want one day I'm going to make a video right. for Laser Time about marketing for shit when I was old, just watching adults and grandparents be murdered because they don't like bonkers or a certain kind of cookies. Like it happened constantly. Right. Bubble tape. I'll never allow that. Right. It's a weird. Other, it's a weird antagonistic othering yeah. of parents yeah. as yes. opposed to uh-huh. saying, "Hey, we're all, let's all try to empathize with each other." Yeah. I, I, I parents sorry. should respect adult and kids and vice versa. It's I still just, remember that moment of epiphany I had in like the late '80s when I was like, "Wait a second! Adults direct all these commercials telling us how stupid, stupid adults, adults are. are." Yes. Like they're, well, it's they're playing into our prejudice. He's nice like that. They're Mario dictating Bowen. our fashion to right. us. But that was that was. Boomer adults, because I think Mm -hmm. they thought that about their parents. And I think the change you see with things like Stranger Things is we are taught you're you're more equal with people now, right? It's it's hey, respect everyone at all age groups and and everyone kind of has a contribution for different things. Things like the internet culture as a level playing field for everybody. You have parents who are finding out about memes and being able to talk to their kids on a level that they never maybe could have previously. And it's it's just an interesting cultural shift. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for just letting us kind of gush about our favorite 80s movies. And thank mm-hmm. you, Chris, for kind of giving me this platform to talk about all these things, which I completely love. Uh, you guys have been mentioning, again, yeah. you've mentioned the Kids in Peril thing over the years, but I just felt it deserved a deeper no, I, exploration. I, I have, and I I, I, I want to put Goonies on a pedestal of gold standard, but also like, this is as far as you're allowed to go. I don't think mm-hmm. you can go further in that direction um, I mean, Jurassic Park went further in that direction. Yeah, I mean, so? did anybody yeah. really... I mean, Jurassic Park, the first one? Yeah, but or, no, okay, no, no, the okay. kids yeah. Yeah. being chased by dinosaurs. That's did, a great did you example. Ever see the kids Thank and you, adults Michael. in that are also equal on That's right, that's right, because yeah. there's adults alongside them. Did right? you ever I mean, see they, the movie Let's Play War? No. No, but I did see Taps, where kids actually <laughs> died in their early 80s. Yeah, mm. well, Let's Play War is, is a little more recent, where like kids are playing guns, but like they just shoot it like... No, these kids have... AR-15s and M16s and Jeez, they're just shooting one another um, oh, yeah, and it yeah. just treats playing war for real sure. and it's like the last time I've seen and, but that's a movie for adults and it's a cult film it's not for everybody yeah well it's if anything I, I think yeah we are reminded all together mm. reality is a little bit too real for a lot of us mm. right now, right? So what I'm hoping is we can get back to things like Stranger Things mm. or The Goonies where it's it's escapism, right? And we all want to kind of have that... I uh, just want to get finger-banged outside of skating rink after getting mm, the high mm, score mm, mm, Escapism mm. that respects <laughs> younger people's intelligence because I right. think that's the biggest problem with younger uh, entertainment targeted towards younger people is that a lot of times it's condescending yes. as opposed to respecting their ability to absorb sophisticated entertainment oh, and concepts and, that I think it's why we love 80s movies so much because it yep. didn't really do that. It was such yeah. a... It made yeah. us seem more smart than we were. Yeah, they were they're movies that hold up because they talk to the audience as adults would be talked mm-hmm. to, you know. And, it's just... and and the only people doing I think great strides in that is Netflix in general. Like I'm yeah. trying I'm trying to think like, what's that show this the kid who went who's like, I'm gonna kill this girl. I'm gonna get her obsessed with me and they go on oh, a road trip. Death Note? No. 
<laughs> no, no, no. It's a live-action Netflix show. I forget the name of it. Uh, but Netflix has been really good about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The End of the Fucking World. Yes, that one. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That yeah. was great. Um, that one, yeah. It, that that really like uh, started off as a black comedy and then veered into a direction that's like, this is like those really depressing movies that I don't normally watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have a suggestion, and I apologize. Dude, give I, it up. It's anime, and I know how you feel oh, about anime. I don't hate anime! It's a mistake! But, but My Hero Academia is mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the best example I've seen of a cross-audience uh, anime series that's able to kind of express the relationship between adults and kids. Yeah. And they deal with the generational gap and the in, in the same way that Harry Potter kind of dealt with, like, the parents and the uh, generation sort of hiding information from mm. younger people mm. who are having to deal with the baggage that their previous generation kind of, like, left them to deal with. Yeah. And they do... It does treat both adults and kids in really interesting, intelligent ways where they do have that kind of respect for each other. I, it's they the same thing for the last Persona game. Like, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. If anything, the, the again, the adults are the bad guys yeah. in that game. That's crazy. Like, So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, as people our age are now kind of running Hollywood, we are going to see more things that harken back to this. And, yeah. and platforms like Netflix are a great way to have movies like this that don't have to be the mainstream in theater mm. type movies, right? Yeah. But we've been going on way too long about this. We'd <laughs> like to thank you for joining us on this trip back into the 80s for Kids in Peril. Uh, who's got plugs? Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time. It's how we live. It's how we survive. It's how we pay the bills. Uh, that's all I'll say. What about our guest, Nathan? Uh, you can find out information on the game that I'm making called Slipstream Scalawags. It's kind of a tongue twister. Uh, it's a space pirate adventure game uh, at daxnd.com. It's our studio's website. Uh, we'll have more information to share on that. There's like a trailer on there right now, but nothing gameplay-wise. Going to have more information to share soon. So. Uh, and Michael, uh, you can hear me every Friday at VidGameApocalypse dot com on VidGameApocalypse. I got those backwards, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I should mention that we've all been yeah sipping fifteen year old scotch. Yeah, it's the only way we can process yes. the, the so deep we, existential angst from kids and parents. That's right. And, and that's this, right. this podcasting table is just like a sea of empty beer bottles right now. It is, but I have this. I'm gonna go back to Florida, and I'm gonna hang out with my friends and their kids, and it's like. Look, just walk in any direction you want. I'll be behind you. I'll get your parents' permission. Like, and just do that. Like, yeah. Can you still do that? Like, I want you to try and do that. Yeah. And I, I want. I want you go guys on an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, listeners? We want you to go on an adventure. We're gonna go out with the music from Stranger Things because I think it is so '80s. It so perfectly captures the feeling of a lot of these movies we've been talking about. So let's end on that note. Stranger Things. We're all hopeful. We'll see more of this stuff where everyone gets out and just go have an adventure.